Well, if we're good to go, hey, you say you're good to go, but your camera is off. Uh, welcome oh. to the Tabletop Colin Show, everybody. <laughs> uh, we are live here on twitch.tv slash Bell. Uh, follow or subscribe or whichever one it is, if you haven't already. Um, we are here to talk about some games. We are here to talk to you about some games, uh, unlike last week. Uh, this is the actual titular Colin Show. I am Adam Bell. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Adam E. Bell. Find my games at adamebell.games. Jeremy, what's up? Who are you? Hey, what's up? I'm Jeremy Gage. You can find me at JeremyGage5 over on Twitter. I am the host of the Draw Your Dice podcast, which is a podcast where we interview designers just like you or game consumers just like you so that you can create your own games that you like for you. And I'm also excited to take your calls today, <laughs> listeners. Uh, we've got first-time chat from viewer Merciful Hacker asking if the show is pre-taped. It is not. Uh, we are here. We're live. We're happy to talk um, to whoever. Actually, I should move over to Discord for myself so I can see if anybody wants to talk to us. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a little Discord link in the corner. Who knows if the bot still works? <laughs> It does. Great. There's the Discord link. Uh, you basically <laughs> you hop in there, and it'll tell you how to call in. Um, oh, cool. Merciful Hacker is David Sheridan. So, oh, hey, David. Hi. Um, yeah, what's been going on, Jeremy? It's been a week since we've last been a week. Sp spoken in front of <laughs> the internet, I guess. Any, uh... any news to report? Any, uh, I've had a slow week, so I'm hoping that you will, <laughs> you will fill this. Uh, been plugging away on Umbral Dive in its fourth alpha version at this point, 0 0.04, uh, or Mark 4. I'm using Marks. Why don't we use Marks anymore for things, for right? Yeah. I mean, just the fact that you're versioning in general is put you ahead of the curve, I think. Is that it? Is that the key to game design success? I just don't. Uh, for, I don't have numbers like that. That's nice. <laughs> uh, for anyone that is unfamiliar, Umbral Dive is my Final Fantasy XIV Heartbreaker game, uh, which I will be probably recording a devlog today for. So there's that. Uh, started doing dog sitting jobs. Uh, also started looking into doing transcription work. So if you have a YouTube channel, a podcast, or you just want some really good SEO verbiage for the Googles, come come knock at my door. I didn't even think about that transcription being an SEO friendly tool as well. Because what you put the oh, it's huge. You would put the huge. transcription on the thing, and then if somebody searches for any shitty little word you say in your podcast, hey, you're on that list any now. Shitty little word. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. <laughs> For really putting it into perspective. No, you're the transcriber, so you don't make the shitty little words. You merely bring <laughs> life to them. Your words are great. It's true. <laughs> then you can turn that into blog articles. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons to come talk to me, creators. Yeah. So, copywriting. Yeah. Do it. Uh, what else? Working out again. It's warm. Grace has been doing stock photos. I'm sure everyone's been seeing that on Twitter. If you haven't. They're great. The Jeremy Gage RPG 
game jam is going to happen within the next couple stock photos. So oh my God. make a game about Jerry <laughs> using the stock photos. It's a powerful It'll move. It'll be amazing. <laughs> it's a powerful move. Uh, I've uh, I've played a, a video game called Inscription recently that I thought was good. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's one of those games that like you can't really talk about unless other people have played it because there's like spoilers or whatever. I know you don't care, but I'm sure the viewers might. But if you like card game video games, I, you know that's a good one. It was cool. Um, oh, there it is. Inscription. Yeah, with a Y. Yeah like crypt maybe like scry may oh wow it's got layers like cry also mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah uh <laughs> knock at my door for your next scrabble game i've got nothing to say to that but i think we do have ourselves a um Somebody in the call queue, this is probably oh. my mistake. I don't know why FarmersOnly.com is still able to be jumped in in the Discord, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe they can't. people can't see the way to groove. Oops. But uh, whatever, I could drag the bit. So we do have Discord user David Sheridan uh, waiting to have a chat. Hello, uh, if you can hear us. Welcome to the Tabletop Collins Show. I think you're muted, just in case you're trying to talk. Well, it wouldn't be any. It wouldn't be any Collins Show if the callers didn't have some sort of difficulty. I don't know how many Collins shows you've listened to, but that's always the way it works. You'll hear, is it me? Is it? Is it me? You'll get a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> Doing it live. <laughs> but uh, while that situation hopefully resolves itself, um, yeah, for anybody new to the show, we just kind of talk to whoever wants to call in about really anything game related that they might want to say. You know, sometimes people, whoop, David's gone. Sometimes people might ask uh, questions about like making games. Sometimes people might you know, talk about a cool game they played or a cool game they read or anything. What would you want to talk about? Anything game related. That's what you talk about. The reason that this is the Colin show and not Jeremy and Adam talk show is because I don't know what I want to talk about this week, but you do dear viewer, dear viewer, Uh, dear viewer. It has been 128 days since our last conversation. How I miss you. I long for your warm embrace and want to see you again in the rolling hills of Scotland. My father says that he is pleased with the gift that you sent with your last parcel. That's free fiction for everybody. To get the rest of it, you have to subscribe for $9.99 to the Tabletop Call-In Show where you'll get the other chapters of Dear Viewer. Okay, let's try again with David. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, how about now? Uh, Welcome to the tabletop. I think I heard. I I think I heard something. All right. 
How's that working? Oh, it's perfect. Crystal clear. Can you hear us? I guess would be the next problem. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So I actually had a question for Jeremy. Uh, How do you maintain the energy and motivation to run a show for as long as you have? Because I tried my hand at a tea podcast and it lasted about four episodes before I got sick of it. So what's like, how do you keep motivated and how do you keep from moving on to a new project? Well, big question. Uh, so how do I stay motivated to do the thing that I'm doing? Well, David, I think that it is a matter of um, foresight and goal setting. So part of the, for anyone that may not know, uh, I've, like I mentioned in the intro, I host a podcast called the Draw Your Dice podcast. And I started the podcast with the intention of being very selfish with tangential community building in that I would interview, I wanted to learn how to make games, but I did not want to go to college for game theory. And so I wanted to meet a ton of people who are much better than what I did, learn from them and uh by transitive property put that on in the internet for other people who are like me because i for podcasts that i've been searching for game design it was either very like high level fluffy descriptions about like the art of game design especially on the indie scene and i have a very analytical brain um and I needed someone to give me like terms and vocabulary and like processes and no one's really giving me that. Or it was built around like someone basically promoting their game. Like an example is while I love the game Heart the City Beneath, the podcast that they made for like I would like to hear about some of the extra bits and bobs that went into designing uh, the systems of the game, like the resistance system and stuff like that. So how do I keep coming back to it? Um, I keep doing it now to a help uh to continue to learn uh b to learn about the industry now because the show is very much uh kind of shifted into like a business atmosphere like the business of game design and how that applies to all the things that we've learned on the show so far um it's also another way to lift up um the community overall by putting indie designers who may not uh, who are not being asked to be on more popular shows. Uh, although Party of One does a great job, so shout out to Jeff, Jeff Stormer, uh, Yes Indeed, uh, Lost Bay Podcast, um, all of that, all those interview shows. Uh, super glad to be amongst the ranks of all of you. Uh, plus One XP, also Tony Pacenda. Um So I'm one of of Legion. We are we are many. Uh, the reason I also keep doing it is that eventually I want to put out a game. Uh, I want to manipulate this into a more like community driven project. So even today I tweeted about like thinking about doing a digital, your, your friendly digital game store kind of concept Uh, that's coined by Adam Bell. So thanks Adam for (laughs) (laughs) that name. And uh, you know, thinking about doing a digital, digital only store where you only buy PDFs. There are no like print options doing like, digital events so people can host their own games or like get connected with community members. They may uh, kind of being like a crossroads environment. Uh, So to simplify the answer, uh, 
I continue to do the podcast because I have goals that the podcast will morph into. And it also continues to serve as a selfish tool for me uh, to increase my knowledge and to build relationships with really cool people and we can help each other out. So that's how I keep doing, doing the damn thing. Wow. And uh, can I ask a follow-up or is my time up? Oh, please. Yeah. Um, there's a YouTuber named Mark Rober who does uh, Game Maker's Toolkit. And he's Love had it. a similar journey as you making a bunch of content about game design. And now recently he started a series about making his own game and is mm-hmm. taking us through that process. Do you think you will be transparent about your game design process or you, will you prefer to reveal the final product like a magician at the end <laughs> uh actually today after this i plan on recording a devlog for umbral dive which will be the first star of that series uh so the answer is i i think i think what's really important about making game design education accessible to people is the transparency of it i think a lot of and maybe maybe I want to say, uh, rightfully so, a lot of artists are scared of like copyright stuff, people stealing their intellectual property. I mean, we see it in different um, uh, sectors or industries and even in different like bigger game bubbles of uh, in conversations about the discourse of stealing other people's stuff. But I think uh, when it comes to helping bring in the next generation of education that sort of like steps away from the college paradigm, I think it's really important to be transparent about your process, how you made something, uh, why you're thinking the way that you're thinking, because uh, someone can take that riff on it and make their own thing. And I think that if we move into a space where transparency is sort of the norm, then I also think that it will allow for um, people to be kinder in their approaches towards collaboration. I think about uh, things like Sandy Pug Games or like Far Horizons Co-op, which was uh, previously San Gennaro Co-op, where they have a bunch of collaborative designers. They all share their funds and they all come together to make projects. I think about Spencer Campbell's Slayer's Almanac that he started the collaborations for a bunch of different designers. So I think about like the transparency leading to collaboration, which is what I ultimately want for a creative industry like game design. That's super cool. Thanks for answering my questions, Jeremy. And uh, thanks for hosting, Adam. You got it. (laughs) I did find it a little bit funny. You don't know this uh, because you said this is the first time you've watched this, but uh, we were on hiatus for a long time because I couldn't keep up the energy (laughs) to do a show. So when you asked that first question directly to Jeremy, I uh, I laughed a little bit at my own self. <laughs> I saw myself in the question. Uh huh. This was very helpful. Um. Well, David. Yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about, or any anything you wanted to plug of your own? Or... Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want to steal a spotlight. This is uh, <laughs> Jeremy's time to shine, right? <laughs> no, no, no. If you have anything you want to like, uh, I know I recently played the, um, oh shit, 
Low Country Crawl uh, recently. I did the GMing for that, so you're welcome to plug that if you want to, or something else. I will plug Jeremy's fantastic game of Low Country Crawl, <laughs> thereby both of us getting credit for it. Perfect. Um, Was that the one that you plus played one on? X- plus one, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Plus one, it. yeah. yeah. Um, plus one XP recently featured uh, Jeremy and uh, our lead writer, Stephen Bramlett, along with Tony and... Keegan EXE. That's right, Keegan EXE. And they played Low Country Crawl, a game that I published earlier this year that is a southern gothic RPG zine, just packed with lots of content written by local South Carolina writers, artists, um, editors, and uh, 20% of all our sales go to support a local charity that uh, feeds people and promotes activism for our community. So Low Country Crawl is uh my one plug perfect well yeah well thank you david thanks for calling in thank y'all wow wow it is it is impressive how you've been able to how you just like started up uh, the draw your dice and just kind of that was your thing Gotta start nope. the empire somehow. No, no hesitation at any point. At least no outward. I don't know what you're doing with <laughs> at home, but it oh, seems so like much. Just... <laughs> so much internally. I think. Yeah. I think one important thing that I might later talk about on the podcast that is additive to that question is that there are days that are hard for a minutia of different reasons. One is like the creativity of it, and slash like doing it consistently day to day and like getting your because you know meeting with people uh you have to be on you have to be on friendly you have to be a host for your podcast you have to be like intentively listening for we do anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes so about two hours of just being super engaged with a a single person which i love but is can be draining uh and the other thing is that i do it for free you know what i mean like uh I do remote work from home, but like I put out a creative product uh, every week or tons of it for free, essentially. So uh, that can also be like a daunting conversation, especially when me and my partner are trying to make our own businesses, our own creative endeavors and and pay for food and electricity and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And a roof. Yeah. All these cool things that really make sense for people to have to pay for. Um... Yeah. Different po- different podcast, different calling. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, it is. I had something to say that came up while you were talking about it, but I have forgotten it. So if it comes up, I will, I'll drop it on you. Please. Yeah, uh, but we do have another call caller, return caller, Raftamico. Hey, how is it going? Welcome to the Tabletop Bone Show. What's up? How's it going? I'm all right. Hi. What's up? Just having some breakfast. Nice. Mm, How have you been? Mondays. In the time since we've talked. I've been been okay. Been okay. You know, life life goes on. Yeah. Life goes on. Um, Monday time feels good. Feels like serious. This is night now. This is like none that Sunday crap. Like Monday's real. Starting the week right. Yeah. yeah. It feels a little better. I, I can't lie. Yeah. I also agree that it feels a little <laughs> better. 
I don't know why. I mean, I kind of know why. And I think it's because a lot of people, there's nobody like that I would be doing an in-person thing with on Monday. So there's no like misconnection opportunities necessarily by me doing my Monday. It's something that I can be like, yeah, Monday mornings, I do this. And that's nice. (laughs) Whereas Sundays it would be like, oh, sorry, I can't do a thing. You know, I'm busy at 1 p.m. Uh, which is an awkward time to be busy because can't really do morning thing, can't really do afternoon thing. But here, you know, I'm I'm cruising. I don't I don't do anything Monday mornings for my own work anyway. So like, it's just it's good all around. Yeah, I love it. You know, us on the West Coast, just uh, having my breakfast, enjoying oh, some tabletop Colin show. Yeah. Hot brew. Apologies, it's, um... apologies to anybody on the West Coast who doesn't get up at eight a.m. But. <laughs> This <laughs> that that feels like the best uh version of leaving out a time zone possible is like you just have to get up at a reasonable but early time. As, you know. It is a yeah yeah it it, it is a funny one and I, I kind of I want to riff on that for a second. I wanted to riff off the the discussion too from, we're just having, but it, it is a funny thing about this this whole scene is like so many of us have, have day jobs or, mm. you know, or work in other things. And um, like, for example, you know, I look at Spencer, I, I'm, I'm amazed by Spencer's consistency in streaming, for example. Um, I don't get it. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of awestruck by people who manage to keep up a consistent schedule of something like that on top of their day job and actually designing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to fit in the game design pretty much any time that you can. Mm-hmm. Also, until you transition to making it full, like doing it all the time. Yeah, right. Which obviously would be ideal. It's going to happen, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, the other thing I want to riff on, too, is... I feel we talked about this, Jeremy, like we talked about some podcasts, but um, I just feel like podcasts like yours and like this one, like plus one EXP and like so many others, they're they're really like the community gathering spots for the community Mm -hmm. where you just get this higher bandwidth version of everyone, more nuance, more depth you get on places like Twitter. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've been pretty interested too thinking about other formats like maybe there should be like a you know like a weekly ttrpg book club where we gather in small groups and discuss the latest book that we've read and mm-hmm. we expand the range of different social formats that we have mm-hmm. yeah that's one th- that's something i love most about this this call-in show for example like experimenting with the form so maybe one of the questions i have for you too is like what are other forms that of social interaction that the community needs uh, or could benefit from uh, that are underserved right now? That's a good question. Because, yeah, it does lead me to think about, um, I mean, you mentioned Twitter as potentially a shallow zone of where you put <laughs> thoughts. And that like gets me thinking that every time I see something on Twitter that like either makes me roll my eyes because it doesn't make any sense or makes me wonder like why, and this isn't a direct call to anybody. This is just the nature of the format, but it makes me wonder like, why did you even think that you needed to say this on this website? Because it's not 
I don't know. Sometimes it's not that interesting. Sometimes it's something that I've thought about before, but I don't know. It's uh, do your post, never stop posting. But like, there are so many, never stop. <laughs> there are so many like tweets and stuff that like would be pretty good, like conversations, but not necessarily good. Like one person just putting out a, a pile of words that make a statement. And then due to the nature of Twitter, not being very good at discussion besides slinging shit at each other. <laughs> Like it kind of falls flat for me. I don't know. So what what can you do to encourage more actual talking? What kind of spaces do we need? Is a great question. Um, I do like discords. I spend more time mm. in there than I do on Twitter because, like, the I mean, just it's more conversational and more conversational to me means people can actually say what they mean instead of like kind of constructing a very short soundbite of what they are trying to say. And then almost certainly everybody that reads it kind of misconstrues it in some way or misunderstands or whatever, because that's the way it goes. But like, you can figure out that people don't understand what you mean immediately. If you write something in a, in a discord or any other chat room and people are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> then you can just elaborate and it's fine. It's good. Um, but what's what's something new? Jimmy, do you have any ideas on a new? Not new, but like something missing? Because there's definitely missing stuff. I think I think sort of the the seeding question for all of this is uh I think two parts. One, organization. So in a lot of the discords or circles that I am uh inside of a lot of it a lot of like game nights or uh events are kind of whimsical and fleeting and irregular and i think mm. one big piece of it is just being the business person of it the project manager of it and like i know that requires a certain type of energy so i i know that not every community can um I don't want to say the word indulge because I don't think it's an indulgent thing to do, but I know that it's difficult and it's like its own job. But I think consistency is a big part of like consistency in organization, finding out like what your community wants to do or what the community wants to like talk about or engage with that's not discourse based. I think we get so many like Twitter conversations around discourse, right? Like talking about uh, proper discourse, like wages and representation and like, uh, kind of more philosophical discourse about like is a game an art or is it does uh, system, does system matter, matter? <laughs> yeah does system matter the classic uh, how much more can we dunk on D&D 5e like it's a lot of it's like those two spectrums of conversation and so uh, I think about like panels right as, as one thing I think more panels in a more I think just more panels overall I think they're uh the second part of that is the forum like what is the forum and how do we engage with that is it a video forum like here on twitch or youtube or whatever is it uh pre-recorded is it live uh is it podcast is it just audio is it a post by forum? is a um a for uh, uh what 
a forum, a, a post forum, basically. Um, is it a live chat, like in Discord? Is it, and are those things scheduled, right? Are we coming to, together every Tuesday to do discussions? Are we coming together to do game nights every Thursday? Are we... Um, these are real and examples like, that Jeremy drives in the Draw Your Dice Discord. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> real events that I, that I have going on. Uh, but, like, it requires someone to create uh, sort of the, the trite phrasing of if you make it, they will come, or if you build it, they will come sort of thing. Uh, and, you know, where is the digital, where is the digital bar? Where is the, uh, all of that stuff? I don't know. It's, I think one piece is organization and one piece is what is the forum. And then how do we get the people into that uh, connection where they are the third circle of this Venn diagram forum organization and the people, and then just getting the word out and also like controlling. Cause the thing about digital is that it has to be like scalable or cut offable. So like, uh, or limited because you can't have 80 people talking at once in a discord channel that wouldn't get anything done. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you also have to make sure that you're, at least for me, you have to make sure that all slices of the pot or that's not a really good analogy. Uh, all demographics are being represented in the people that can answer the question. And I think there's also this need for the sense of discovery in terms of, you know, a lot of panels, uh, at least in my gut intuition, look towards like people who are like trending or expert when it comes to, like, who are we asking to speak? And I think there's such a space for like bringing a fresh mind into or fresh soul into the conversation mm. to like, I don't kind of understand these things, but I come from like this completely different background and here's how I see what you're talking about, right? Like finding a way to have like moderators that can guide that conversation. So I guess moderators is another piece of the puzzle <clears throat> or facilitators, right? Um, but those are my thoughts uh, from your from your question. I think forum, I think organization, moderation, and then how do we get the people there? I think one other one one I, another thing I would like to add is uh, something that has been obviously taken from us over the last couple of years, but which is in person shit like a convention. Mm -hmm. Like what I haven't I've never been to Big Bad Con, but I hear that the, I know that that's like the RPG indie RPG yeah. one. Yeah. Um, but the conventions I have been to, it's a whole like a way better experience like talking to designers of games that you know, but you know don't. Like, I'm not going to tag somebody on Twitter that I don't know that made a game that I think is cool because I don't, I just don't want to do that. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I would go up to their booth at a convention and be like, yo, your game is cool. Do you have any other games? Like, tell me about this. Mm -hmm. And that's like nice because people like talking to each other in person. Um, and that kind of fosters a whole new layer of like putting a person to the posts essentially uh that makes it more comfortable so like in the future hopefully that becomes more of an option uh to to do stuff like that you know the second best thing of that or maybe better depending on who you ask was the um shit what was that online convention that was in gather town what did they call that session zero session zero yeah that ruled uh i 
it like brought out my natural shyness in a way that other online shit doesn't. And I know that's weird to say as a good thing, but like, it was cool to be like in a space and be like, Ooh, I actually hate talking to people. <laughs> Even though I like talking to people <laughs> a lot, it was cool to be like, Oh wait, I see Spencer's funny little avatar over there. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to run over and just talk with Spencer in the corner. And he was doing the same thing. And that was, it was cool. We had never like Spencer and I have talked online, but like we haven't met in person. Uh, but like, it felt like we kind of did during session zero. Um, so conventions, whether real or fake, just big pools of where you put the people, and then they can hang out. I don't. It's it's cool. It's nice. I feel like a big part of that story you just told too is like that sense of a, a shared experience. It's like you were mm-hmm. both in the, uh, you know, wallflower simulation that. <laughs> I, I also resonate with at conventions. It's just it, it's, that that's really powerful to me that that made you feel like you had met in some way. And because I feel like you, you never really meet until you've been through something together, or at least have had a like. I don't know if people on Twitter would say, "Oh, I've met this person on Twitter." Yeah, and say, "Oh, I've not. interacted." Mm-hmm. And like, I think Discord I, can get you there, but probably mm-hmm. you have to do you have to hop in voice at some point and like play a game or, or have a just face to face chat like this, you know, anybody that's called into the call show, I've definitely more met than I had previous, previously. <laughs> <laughs> if, if meeting someone is a spectrum, I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Adam and Remy, I'm glad to say I've at least partially met you. Yeah. It's somewhere I, along a the partial line. met. <laughs> we've, we've, we've met. We've met some percentage of a met. Yeah, I would M- say at least met. 56% at a minimum. It's funny. The, the other thing that this, may, this whole thing makes you think about, too, is is how um, small groups are so important. So uh, when you were talking about panels, like I was in a panel at Metatopia, and it... And there were five of us and we had a prep call and we talked about a bunch of stuff. Um, and, and then, you know, then we had the panel. So like all, all together, we probably spent like an hour and a half, a couple hours interacting. Mm-hmm. And I just, in my head, that's kind of stored in the same place where I would store like, Oh, I went to like a dinner party with like four cool people. And now I would feel very comfortable just like saying hi, or I would, feel very comfortable with them, like reaching out to me on a much more personal level than if we just met on then just like strangers on the internet. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I wonder if, um, this is the grand power of, of breakout rooms, right? It's like 30 people show up, you put them in little groups of four or five, then mm-hmm. you just like lock them in that group with good moderation for long enough that they that second part the good moderation is important. <laughs> very important absolutely critical absolutely <laughs> critical. on my door baby <laughs> yeah it's it's cool there's it feels like there's a lot of potential mm-hmm. to build mm-hmm. new things but it's also all a lot of work for whoever's building it which is yeah so why, much work it's why there's that much potential and uh, you know if it's ever yeah. realized, that is cool. But I know Session Zero was an incredible amount of work for, for the organizers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, pay, it pays off. And I can't imagine, like, that would be really cool to have put together something like that. So, like, you know, 
maybe in the future. Let's look out for that. Yeah. Well, it feels like it's it's kind of a an expectation that's a new expectation on game designers themselves. Like I feel like pretty much every game has a Discord, mm-hmm. and you know, like <laughs> my my Discord, I I don't do a particularly good job of organizing anything on it regularly. Mm-hmm. But for example, like shout out to Mamados, who I know that has like a weekly topic and weekly discussion uh, that she uh, facilitates. Uh, to um to create like even like a minimal amount of organizing yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh that's awesome yeah <laughs> the props <laughs> so many levels for so many things. so many levels yeah just crushing <laughs> the game absolutely yeah. murdering it yeah yeah absolutely i got my copy of arc the other day and i'm just uh absolutely awestruck yeah, I've only seen the PDF so far. I should be getting a copy at some point, but um, I'm looking forward to it. That game was I I ran it on plus one AXP a while back, and it was uh, really good. It was like the perfect. I love real time mechanics. I love adding a timer to a game. That's just that's. I mean, what can you say about it? It's beautiful. Beautiful. It's, great. it's organized. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's true. Well, uh, Raph, you got any other anything else that you would like to chat about here? We do not have oh. another caller, but uh, a chat, you a Twitch chat person put in a question that we could yeah. get to in a, in a little bit. Oh yeah, you can kick me off at any point. I, I at some point I'm need to have my breakfast, uh, but um, <laughs> you know, also glad to hang out. You yeah. you decide. Uh, Glad to have you back, Raph. Yeah. It's good to see you, too. I don't want to hold you from your breakfast. This isn't me kicking you out, but, you know, it's important to eat food. It's important. It's the most important (laughs) meal of the day. I'm going to go, you know, hey, listeners, have your breakfast. Or don't, if you don't feel like having breakfast. Do whatever you want. I'm rooting for you. Is that the plug for the day? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, plug, yeah. Um... (laughs) I can I can plug it. No, I'll uh, this this uh, uh, this the same plug as uh, thinking uh, with the backdrop of the pinky and the brain music. But uh, no, it's the same plug uh, as uh, every night. Uh, the zone, the uh, annihilation style magical psychedelic mutational horror game that you can play for free at thezonerpg.com. Also, I will say I am actually really excited about something, which is um, I collaborated with Randy Lubin. Um, oh to uh, bring the story synth style mods the whole game by loading a spreadsheet and that's live. And so I'm just messing around, just preparing some other scenarios, but that is now something anyone can do. You can just make your own scenario. Whoa. Yeah. You change everything. I still do need to play that. I have read Annihilation now since we've last talked. It's now like, like, I should should play a game based on that. I thought that before, but now I definitely like now that it's in there in my head. I'm looking. Well, there's def. I, I feel like uh, there's definitely a bunch of folks in that list. So hey, maybe that maybe the the three of us plus uh, one or two other folks should uh, should play again. I would be very interested in that. We'll talk. Let's talk. <laughs> All right, y'all. I'm gonna I'm gonna head out. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for calling in. As always, great talking to you. See you later.
Super glad Bye. the show's back. Bye. Bye. Yeah, uh, so a little while back uh, in the chat, Twitch user Donnie Dynamo asked, can't call in proper, but if you find time between calls, any chance you'd touch on games as educational tools? I've seen RPGs described as perhaps helpful for fostering imagination and communicating emotions, but have you seen any designers tackling formal subject learning in their games? I think journaling games could make an incredible could make incredible extra credit slash optional assignments if you could prove they relate back to the class subject. Which is a very interesting thought, because yeah, there's definitely like a lot of educational are there a lot? I'm in my head I feel like there's a lot of educational board games, but now I'm kind of blanking on that too. But <laughs> But like as a concept, games of any form would be great for teaching. And like, I'm sure I've, I may or may not have talked about this on the show, but like, that's definitely why I picked up board games was because my, I felt my brain was falling apart at school because I didn't care about my major anymore. And board games helped me like still use my brain in a way that made me happy. And now here mm-hmm. we are 12 years later. <laughs> So, like, using that explicitly for school sounds uh, very cool. I think that, well, sort of like the basic things for uh, language, for sure, as Starkiller Fish also uh, points out. But, like, think about, like, the basics of what a game has you do, right? So, like, there's um, critical thinking skills right mm-hmm. so creating imaginary situations that you have to solve problems for using the limitations of the game right while we may while we as adults may not necessarily think about that as uh, a skill to be built i think critical thinking is fucking wicked huge when it comes to like navigating uh real world situations not just in terms of like capitalism or business but also in terms of like politics or i mean just anything. community things civic things really anything honestly Inter- interpersonal so long relationships you in your human body yeah, yeah. Relationships. <laughs> like being able to critically think about the way people treat you is an incredibly useful thing absolutely emotional development right mm-hmm. uh i think that that one there though requires a certain amount of um guidance from someone who's very well versed in those fields right. Uh, I don't think just anyone could teach sort of how to uh, teach emotional sensitivity or teach like coping mechanisms and stuff like that. I feel like that's more apt for people who are way more educated about that. Check out um, Mother Effin, what is his name? Derek Chung, designer of Emberwind, does does stuff exactly like that. Um, I also think about like, dice math is really good for like quick basic math things like basically order of operations stuff which is really useful and also like multiplication 3d4 right figuring out probability or averages mm-hmm. um i think about uh even art in games could be a skill like another way of how uh, interpreting art or understanding different pieces of like 
contextual information like forms, shapes, line work. Um, you know, I'm watching a lot of like the blue period anime, which is super good. I highly recommend it. Uh, so I'm learning things in that that I think even games could be an appreciation for, like even marketing stuff. How does the cover of your game uh, affect your ability to send a particular signal to people? Like there's a lot of different, I think, sectors that a writ a creative written format or reference document can help either children with, even adults with. Um, those are my thoughts. Yeah, uh, there are a couple. Uh, Merciful hacker in the chat is throwing out some. Is that David? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dave, David's in the chat throwing out a few. I had to scroll back up to check. Uh, that might be worth mentioning because yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with these. But the first one is Critical Core, which is it says it's designed to be accessible to therapists, educators, and parents, allowing them to use this tool with those in their community and tool for gamers those who have felt the positive impact of games in their own lives which i mean games are good so i felt that so uh to give back so critical core helps game masters align their games to provide specific support to autistic players supported by the methods and strategies used by experts in the field yeah that's super interesting so i agree check that and out yeah, I, taking... i'm gonna leave that open and just read about it <laughs> <laughs> perfect uh and also thinking about like educationally in terms of how to assist other players or accessibility stuff so mm-hmm. like critical core here i know that um blood on the clock tower has the oh what are they called not the travelers the other ones fabled the heroes fabled, yeah yeah the fabled which helps for adjusting the play level or play or Mm, they, they help modify the experience of the game. It, yeah they help modify the experience for like if the storyteller notices that their group is like lacking in a certain way um mm-hmm. then they can just implement these like top level rules uh so one example is uh i think it's it's something like the spiteful librarian or something where mm-hmm. Basically, if you have a group that won't stop talking over the quiet people, you just implement this rule and it's like, okay, if you talk over the person who's talking right now, the storyteller could just kill you in game, game, which Blood in the Clock Tower plays very similar to Werewolf. So killing you means like taking your living character and making it dead if, if you're not familiar. But then there are other ones that are like this player and this other player are guaranteed on the same team. So you could do that if you've got a, like a child playing with a group of adults, you can like Mm -hmm. make sure that that kid is, you could say it's the jump. Like I'm implementing this rule and this kid is on their parents' team so that like, if they're floundering, they can like go to the other room and have this talk. And then they, everybody knows they're both on the same team. So it's not like suspicious or anything weird. Yeah. And that way there's no like intense pressure to like, dig in on them if they're sort of a, a meeker player right so things like that i think are also really useful for as a teaching tool because it is increasing a game master's ability for uh social empathy mm-hmm. and also increasing their tool set for um 
handling those sorts of challenges uh, amongst their their play group, which uh, truly a lot of games could use a ton more of, right? Like this is, you know, we just talked about dunking on D&D 5e, but like this is one of the things D&D 5e kind of lacks is an ability to, uh, it, it's modular or adjustable for the fictional character concepts but it has no room for tools or supplies no tools for the players at the table minus that one small page of like these are the different seven categories of players you could interact with and here's how you supplement them like that's that's only useful on like a single dimension that's not useful for like a human experience that you're having at the table so um i think that even including different modular ways or games that have included modular ways for adapting to your play group and kind of hand holding the gm in that manner or the facilitator in that manner are also very useful education mm -hmm. tools and then i would like to shout out like two specific games that aren't about this type of teaching that we've been talking about but um dialect for one mm -hmm. game about language and how it dies uh that game has like a mini basically textbook in the back about like how to actually linguistically create new sounds and words mm -hmm. uh, which is really rad and then their other game same designers their other game called sign is a game about um I think it was in Nicaragua. There there was a school somewhere uh, for deaf children where, like, within an incredibly short period of time, the kids developed, like, their own sign language and, like, were mm -hmm. signing to each other. And so Whoa. this is a game that, like, you know, you've got the GM equivalent who is, like, standing in one room and they're acting as the teacher, and then all of the players are playing as, like, these these kids who throughout the game you're inventing your own like sign language and so like both of these games i haven't played sign yet sadly but but i really want to <laughs> mm -hmm. but both of these games are very cool at explaining how language works which i took a linguistics class in college so i know they exist i remember nothing about it which makes me sad because <laughs> all i remember was being like wow this is all really interesting this is cool um but linguistics yeah dialect and sign and then they have another game about alien language coming soon it was kickstarted a while back and i think that's important too none of the at least none of the examples i have are directly tied to educational mm. uh um design principles educational design principles so uh all the ones i've talked about are just like accidental things right, like yeah. not people who like have gone out of their way to produce an educational game uh but i think that i'm sure there are and one has been mentioned in the form of critical core um and even dialect and sign are sort of like i would say they are more uh strict to their convention of like this is a thing that like teaches you how this works like mm -hmm. this is how language and sign language operate um or are created and so those are very fascinating uh but uh i'm sure there are games out there that like have that as a paradigm for their creation uh and i welcome anyone to like drive by do you know what 
I'm going to do, <laughs> this is the first tabletop call-in version of this. I have a Twitter challenge today. I have a Twitter challenge. Are you cool with this, Adam? Is this fine? Yeah, I won't stop you. You're co-host. Okay. I couldn't stop you even if I wanted to. I don't know. It just burned <laughs> in my brain. I want, I want everyone here viewing today to tag the tabletop call-in show, or even like if you're VOD watching this later, tag table tabletop call-in show and like find if you have one like put a game that you feel like has education as its forefront design principle and tweet about it just send it out there send it as like a tool for people to help in their classrooms or uh with their own personal play group who might have interest in those subjects uh i think that that could be like wicked wicked awesome that's something that we can do on a community level so that's my Tabletop call-in show call-out yeah. action. Call to action. Tabletop call-in show call to action. We'll <laughs> workshop it. But... <laughs> T-T-C-I-S-C-T-A. I have one more game to shout out. It's my game. Please. Oh, yeah. I forgot. My Brain is a Stick of Butter is kind of educational. It's not... I, you're not going to have, like, ADHD class, but, like... <laughs> I have a game called My Brain is a Stick of Butter that is about my experience with ADHD, and I have... If the people that I know who have played it have either told me, like, wow, yeah, this, I mean, does a pretty good job I mimicking my experience as well, or people that don't have any, you know, experience with ADHD being like, wow, okay, that kind of makes sense, <laughs> the way that you are. <laughs> uh, and so I think that that's cool. I think there's a lot of space for solo games like that to kind of mimic certain experiences um, in ways that, you know, hopefully don't last too long so they don't get too weird or icky or, you know, because I could see a lot of problems potentially with like, here's the game where you pretend you have depression. Um, <laughs> feels like it needs to be done handled well and probably by somebody with, yeah. Anyway, not to get too deep into that, but I think solo games have a lot of potential for, education in ways that people don't necessarily notice they're being educated or they do and they like it one of the two mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which got me back to thinking about when you were talking about dice math and stuff you could mm -hmm. definitely make like a math class solo journaling game absolutely <laughs> like, absolutely change the shitty little homework packet into a card prompt driven thing that like you have to do math think about mm -hmm. it mm-hmm I'll mm -hmm. think about it. I haven't done math. I'm in a thinking while, about but... it right now. Yeah, flashcards, but it's a journaling game. I would have learned better with that kind of shit. I never used the flashcards to study. I hated it. Didn't work. But a game? I was a terrible homework doer. <laughs> homework not doer. I was. I didn't do homework. Yeah, same. Homework was for homeroom. That's right. Home homework, homework was for homeroom. <laughs> Absolutely. If I had more than Absolutely. a half hour's worth of homework for the whole day, well, I, I was just getting whatever I could do in the morning done. <laughs> Absolutely. What? What a truth. What an absolute world truth. Yeah. Because hey, teachers out there, don't give too much homework or any. It's bad. Kids already have to be at school for eight hours. Why are you making it more? Let them uh, have fun. Just because we don't get to have fun anymore. Which <laughs> we could. Because we have to pay bills and shit. Anyway, 
that's the other destroy the government anyways this is the top of the show (laughs) yeah we've we've arrived at an hour long uh which is cool well nearly we're three minutes short but that's fine because we're gonna do outros and then it will have been an hour so Mm -hmm. i appreciate everybody that has called in uh it's great to be back next week will be the tabletop call-in show talk show so no calls just jeremy and i uh talking about potentially pre-prepared topics uh who knows we'll see if we get to it we gotta do our homework we should do our homework yeah no homework for kids but homework for podcasters (laughs) (laughs) uh god yeah uh so i've been adam bell you can find me on twitter at adamy bell uh follow me there you could find vods of the show on my youtube channel go subscribe there you could find the podcast version of this, which is just the same version, but without the video, uh, because I don't have time to edit it nicely, as nice as that would be. Um, you can find that. Just look for Tabletop Calling Show. It'll be there. Subscribe on Twitch or whatever. I might try to do some more streaming so we could do the affiliate thing and maybe get like $3 a month for the show. That'd be sick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. And, and Brandon in the chat asking, there's a podcast version. Heck yeah, there is. Uh, it is missing most of the first season of the show because my brain was decomposing, but I have made an internal <laughs> commitment to keep track of this new stuff. So uh, check it out there. Jeremy, say goodbye to the good people with who you are first also. Hi. <laughs> Goodbye. I've been Jeremy Gay. Hello, San Diego. Have a great night. Uh, my name is Jeremy Gage. I you can find me at Jeremy Gage Five over on Twitter or at Draw Your Dice Pod also over on Twitter. Uh, you can listen to the Draw Your Dice podcast. Look out for a new podcast which will have devlog stuff for Umbral Dive and for Astral Journey and for the whole Twilight Helix box set. What? It's a box set. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, please come say hi to me and all the, join the, join the discord where me and Adam often yell at each other in the cafe. Yeah. It's like an informal talk show. Yeah. Or truly show. Except yeah, you get more of us. <laughs> if that's what you want. I'm not always and there. So you can't you just want. get more of Jeremy if that's the preference. <laughs> Throw up. <laughs> All right. Uh, Thanks for coming out. Thanks for watching later. If that's what you're doing, uh, we will talk to you next week.